Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today's podcast is a little different as we have the continuation of my interview with Dr. Tony Beam concerning Christian Worldview. I hope that you'll take time to listen not only to this podcast, but to episode 36, which was the first part of that interview with Dr. Tony Beam as we discuss what it looks like to grow in a Christian Worldview. Thank you for being a part of the Ordinary Christian Podcast family. This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. And, if it, and, and the more you give, the more you pour in, the more you're going to be able to recall the Holy the Spirit will bring to mind the things that you need to apply to life situations, but you've got to put it in there. You can't start with an empty tank. My dad used to put it this way. He said, son, don't ever put more in the display window than you've got in the storeroom. In other words, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we do that. I do that. I'm guilty. I'll, I'll I'll make it look like I've got something really good going on. But if you dig, if you scratch under the surface and you, and, and the, the, the information, the knowledge, the time, the depth is not engaged or, or has been poured in, it'll be discovered rather quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to step off uh, here. I'm not exactly sure because I didn't preface you on this, but um, I, I, the Bible speaks of the gift of spiritual discernment as opposed to for the discipline of spiritual discernment. You ever, is that? Yeah. 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 You're not. Okay. Now, are you talking about, well, maybe you better tell me what you mean by that. Well, you I, might disagree with me. And then here we are right here. We're in live recording. Well, that'd be great. That'd, yeah, that'd be no, 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 the, Bible, the Bible gives us this idea of, of, of the gift of spiritual discernment. And there are certainly some people that have this supernatural experience, supernatural ability to discern, right? And those people with those gifts of discernment don't necessarily have, um, certainly don't have, you know, uh, that, 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 that degree of discernment is not infallible. But there, there are some folks that just have this supernatural ability that seems to come from the Lord that, that they just they can kind of sense when something's off or something's wrong. Um, and that's one thing that, that some people have. But the discipline of discernment is an expectation that everybody is to have. In other words, yeah. some people are gifted as evangelists, but just because you're not Billy Graham doesn't mean you don't have the responsibility to be an evangelist. And just because you don't have the gift of spiritual discernment doesn't mean that you don't have the spiritual responsibility to grow up into spiritual maturity and to be able to discern. Well, and let me, let me say this. The gift of spiritual discernment, to me, calls for a deeper responsibility of you building on what the Holy Spirit has gifted you with. Amen. Because you're, if you have the gift of spiritual discernment, people are going to see that in you, and they're going to seek you out. And the more you are sought out for your discernment, the more you need to be sure that you're pouring in God's word to be able to back up. That's, that's kind of goes back to that statement about the storeroom and the, the display window that those things have to match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I told you early on, this is a, a podcast that's geared toward folks sitting in the pews uh, at, sure. at, at my church and, you know, at Brushy Creek, Brushy Creek's a similar church to Malvern Hill, just, just larger, but similar kind of people. Um, how, how do you encourage folks to live this out? You know, what, what about that guy that, that went to, went to work today trying to live out his Christian worldview as a, as a shopkeeper or as a farmer or, you know, as a, uh, whatever he might be a mechanic. How, how do you encourage guys to live this out? Teachers in the classroom. Well, um, 
you know, I, I don't know that there's a formula for living it out. I think living it out is you, you put in the knowledge, the information necessary that gives you the ability when you face everyday situations that you automatically begin to think biblically. In other words, you don't, you don't think your first response is not what you've heard from Fox News or CNN or some other source that you would listen to. Your first response for every situation that you're presented is the, you begin to think about it biblically. You, 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 be, you begin to apply God's word. Um, if you've got an ethical question in front of you, then you seek God's word to answer what's the right thing to do in this situation. If you've got an emotional uh, situation, what is it that God's word says about how we are supposed to respond to the way we feel about things as opposed to the way that we're supposed to think and internalize things? I mean, I, I, think, I think living out the Christian worldview is simply having the biblical worldview available. And then when you walk into work every day or you stand up in front of a class, it's almost like I'm on a computer right now. Let's see if I can use this example. I'm on a computer and there's stuff working up front. Like I'm, I'm on a zoom. So I'm having this conversation in that manner, but the computer has got all kind of stuff working behind the scenes that is making what you see and hear possible. So a biblical worldview in every situation, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you go wherever, uh, or you're just out with people in a social setting. You think about what you're experiencing is up front, but behind the scenes, that biblical worldview is rotating through your mind, allowing you to every situation that you encounter to begin to, it, it's not like you have to say, okay, I'm going to stop and think about this biblically. You just do it because it becomes an automatic response based on who you are in Christ. Is that it, it does, and, and we'll, we'll chew on that another minute, but just to use a kind of a football analogy here, one of the things we, we I've coached a little bit of ball through the years, I just finished helping coach a, a middle school football team, which was a lot harder than coaching high school ball or having anything, anything else I ever did. When you coach middle school ball, Tony, I don't know if you know this, you have to regularly tell them how to put their knee pads in. Uh, it's it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a different experience, but uh, um uh, but we we talk as as kids and, and you know whether whether you're an, you're you're an athlete or you're a coach we talk about the game slowing down like uh, there comes a point in time where when you're trying to learn something you, you, you literally kids you're trying to teach them how to tackle and trying to teach them how to do all these things and it's everything's so complicated but there comes a point in time where your brain internalizes everything enough that the game begins to slow down what was so fast uh, two years ago it suddenly seems like it's moving in slow motion. And that's the same thing, you know, whether it's football, baseball, you know, all these sports analogies, it's the same thing you're talking about with biblical worldview. As, as we internalize these things, the game begins to slow down for us. We, we can see the pitches coming in slower instead of blowing, blowing, us, uh, blowing, blowing us off the plate there. Maybe, maybe a, another I, – I do relate a lot of things to movies. I confess I'm a movie buff. I, I love movies. I make no apology. Uh, and I like sports movies. Um, love for the love of the game is a movie with Kevin Costner who plays an aging pitcher who's there, there's a lot of relationship going on but but the thing that's kind of cool about it is that he's pitching his last game and he steps onto the mound and he's there's all this noise and distraction 
I mean, he's in Yankee Stadium. He's a Detroit Tiger, and everybody's yelling stuff at him. You can imagine the atmosphere um, with with all this this going on. on. And you're the pitcher. You're you're you've got to focus and concentrate. And he leans over and he says, "Clear the mechanism." And when he says that in his mind, all everything blurs out, and what he sees clearly is the batter standing at the plate. And I've always thought about, I, I think about this. Sometimes I actually use that phrase to myself mm. when I'm in a situation where I've got a lot of things coming at me. I just, I don't say it out loud, but I think to myself, okay, clear the mechanism. What, what needs to be the focus here? What there, there's a lot of confusion. There's people saying this, there's people saying that a biblical worldview provides you the ability to close out distractions and focus on the main thing when a situation arises in front of you that you can get to the get to the heart of it much quicker if you have a biblical worldview but having that biblical worldview it is you you mentioned earlier that it's not always just spouting off your vacation bible school verses because right, right. ethically you mentioned ethics a minute ago ethically life sometimes presents us with problems that aren't clearly um, addressed in the scripture. And I believe that, that, that God's word addresses everything, but they're not necessarily clearly addressed in the scripture. We don't, you know, I, I can think just in our culture right now, something like transgender bathrooms would be one of those kind of worldview issues, but the Bible doesn't actually say anything about a bathroom anywhere, right? With the exception, I guess, of, of, uh, of, <laughs> of Ehud, but um, uh, we don't, we don't have anything about a bathroom there. Right. Uh, you know, that, actually, there's a lack of a bathroom that was a problem there. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, but how, how do we, you know, how do we engage in these ethical things when the Bible doesn't give us a specific, you know, verse for the answer? Right. Well, okay. Good. Great question. Um, I think you engage in those things by what the Bible does give you, which is broad outlines about. Everything. I mean, the Bible engages everything. So let's talk about sexuality for a minute. Yeah, the Bible might not say, "Okay, you, you, you're trans. If you're transgender and you're struggling with that, that uh, there's no such thing as being transgender." But the Bible does teach in a broad way. God made them male and female. So let's start with. Let's go back to Genesis and see how were we created. And if you walk through the Scripture, you find that the Bible is everywhere it demarcates the difference between men and women. There's never anything that comes in and creeps in in between men and women. And it would seem that God has created us male and female and that that carries throughout the scripture. So that, that should give us the broad guideline to deal with transgender. Now, let, let, me, let me quickly jump in here and say people who are honestly dealing with transgender issues need care and compassion um, rather than the back of our hand. Uh, they have no hope. It, th this is something that is, is, is terribly disconcerting for them, for most, and they need our compassion, prayer, and reaching out to them with understanding where I draw the line with all of that is when somebody comes along to me and says, you must agree. You, you know, I accept that there are people who struggle in this area. I will not agree that it's okay. It's, 
and, and, and I think that's a big difference that we find in the culture today in a lot of things. There's a big difference between acknowledging that something is and then being asked by the culture in order for you to be acceptable to say that it's okay. I can't say what I say is okay in a biblical worldview has got to relate to what the Bible has revealed. Right. And, and I think this is where, um, maybe not in a historical language, well, I, I guess to some degree, this is going to be the difference that I'm going to, I'm going to create a lot of times between a fundamentalist response and an evangelical response. Right. Okay. Um, and that's, that's a little bit unfair. And I acknowledge that, that phrasing, but um, that I, 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 I scripturally we completely disagree with the, of course the the transgender arguments 110% and I do believe that in many ways they are are destructive not only to to individuals but to our culture um, but even though I disagree with that I still have this responsibility to love my neighbors myself and and do all that I can to to rescue the perishing as the old hymn used to say absolutely and and you know those those words of compassion um, you know, we, we got to be careful that we, we speak truth always, but that that truth is bathed in, in the love of God's word. I preached on um, the Ark of the Covenant this past Sunday, and I had never come across, I'm looking for the book on my desk, I'm going to show you, I'd never come across a, a Francis Schaeffer description of the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if you have or not, but uh, there he, he, he describes the, the, the ark itself, the box, as containing the law of God, and then the atonement cover, the mercy seat, as the perfect covering for God's law and the perfect complement there, that God's law is perfectly covered by God's atonement. And, uh, of course, Schaefer described it far better than, than I do. But um, just that as we are wrestling with these real truth claims, that we do so in a way that keeps the door open for us to engage people with the good news of the gospel and the hope that's found there. Right. Absolutely. Because our, our primary responsibility here is to, is, is to reach people with the truth um, and to do it in a way. The gospel itself is going to be confronta confrontational. Right. One thing I talked about at Brushy Creek this past week, you know, the, the truth confronts all falsehood. It will do it automatically. We don't have to be confrontational behind it. We just simply have to proclaim it and the confrontation will be created. And how we handle that confrontation really determines how effective that we're going to be in getting the point across about what God's word has to say. And um, we, we're going to have to bring us to a close in just a couple of minutes. But um, before we do, I, I told you I, I wanted to kind of address a little bit about Christian worldview and politics. And this is a big part of really your life's work. I, I think that's that, is that a fair thing to say? And, well, for the last, yeah, 30, 25, 30 years, I've been very involved, engaged in that, thinking about it that way. And, and that's, that's a big part of your, your responsibility as the director of public policy for the state convention. Uh, so South Carolina Baptist, what, what that means for those of you that are, you know, don't have any ideas as South Carolina Baptist, we, we pay Tony a small fortune to go and, uh, <laughs> no, but, but he, he goes and, and, and works to engage in the legislative, not in the legislative process, but, uh, to engage legislators and, and to speak to them about uh, those issues, especially that would relate to Christian worldview, biblical worldview, and, and what's really good for our, our, our state. Um, and I, I would imagine, I don't know this for sure, I would imagine that you and I uh, might um, uh, part ways just a little bit in our approach to, to these things, um, and, and not, not, uh, not greatly, but for me, I, I, I don't address politics much at all. I, I have a, a firm belief that if we 
preach God's word, we, we disciple people that they're going to get the politics thing figured out. Um, but for you, I'm, I'm just going to give you the floor. How, how do you see Christian worldview and in a biblical worldview in, in, you know, affecting the way that we engage in the political process? Well, this may surprise you then based on that, because I don't preach politics either. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, look, if you want to hear what I think about politics, tune in to Christian worldview with Tony and Hannah, mm-hmm. because I am a, I, I'm a commentator at mm-hmm. that point. Um, but when I preach and I'm saying, thus says the Lord from the word of God, I pre the, the reason someone would consider me political is that I deal with ethical biblical issues that have been hijacked and made political by the culture. But I never get up and talk about Republican versus Democrat, for example, because I, it, let me, let me interrupt you. I, I, for the record, I, I wasn't suggesting you did that from the pulpit. I was really speaking more to your, your engagement right there on the, no, right no, there. that's, that, that, okay. that's fine. I, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't offended by that in any way. I just, I, but I, to answer you though, you know, you and I have, have just kind of first met and, and it's amazing when I first meet people, they have this thought that because I've been engaged in politics, that they bet that wow, I bet my I bet you wear a church out when you're there uh, and giving them, you know. And I'm and I've always been like, well, no, because b- back to how you engage politically is the same way you engage every other way. You you think biblically and you apply biblical truth, and you make sure that you don't get pulled into this to this this deeply partisan divide between our guy and their guy or our way and their way there's god's way and as people of god we have the responsibility to defend what god says regardless of political considerations now i'll just i'll go ahead and dive in a little bit of this because evangelicals have lost so much of their witness opportunity because they've wholesale embraced things that are political they're not that are not biblically founded and i think what i try to do on my radio show and i'll just use president trump as a as an example there are things that i think president trump has done that are good things and that fit well within the biblical worldview i point those out but i'm just as quick to point out the things that he does not and the hurt and the harm that he brings to the biblical worldview and many of the things he does and says. And I try to do the same with people who are on the other side of the aisle, say, that are, that are Democrat. Because I'm not, I, I'm not trying to advance the Republican Party. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God and the biblical truth that we find in his word. And if we ever, ever begin to compromise that, the world's going to look at us and, and, and think we're a joke. They're not going to listen to us. They're not going to take our witness seriously unless we're just as concerned about the life of someone who comes to this country illegally as we are concerned about life in the womb. Now, what I mean by that is, am I saying that we all just open the border and have everybody? No, but a biblical worldview says that we don't judge people based on the status that they have, that they've been assigned by the world. We we make decisions based on that everybody is created in the image of God and deserve our love and our respect and our care, and we'll help them through all the issues, but they are first and foremost people who are created in his image. So anyway, I get a little... And if I know I was going to get you so passionate, we just started out with this one, honestly. <laughs> uh, but it, but it, it, it is, and, and this is going to really bring us first full circle to where you began with this biblical worldview 
Um, it, it is difficult because just last week I had a, 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 a an engaged, friendly, cordial conversation with an older gentleman um, in our community, not in our church, but in our community. He, he would consider himself to be a Christian. I'm, I'm not 100% certain that he is. He's, he's active in a church, but um, or relatively active in a church. Uh, but but we, we, we had a very frank political conversation, and, and he just looked at me. He said, Craig, um, I am a Democrat. A hundred percent. He said, you know, but, but the reason is in, in, that I voted in, in this particular election. He's the reason I voted for Joe Biden and for the Democrat party is because I care about those who are less fortunate than me. And, you know, and, and I had to look at him and say, brother, I, I believe that I care at least as much as you do about those who are less fortunate. But biblically, I have a different opinion about how it is that we would best care for those who are less fortunate than, than right. we are, you know? Um, and that, I think we've, the, the, the hijacking that you talked about, we, we've allowed it to become all politics and, and not conversations with our neighbors to say, what does the Bible say? You know, exactly. how can I best um, care for the alien, the orphan, and the widow? Uh, because those are biblical mandates that we have. They are, they, they absolutely are. And if you reduce our public persona down to a couple of well-known um, political issues that get bandered about all the time, then we lose the broader opportunity to be effective in every area of life as believers and, and certainly in caring for people. I'll tell you something I did just real quick. Um, I, I went when I knew that I was going to be starting this role down the South Carolina legislature. I, I purposely went up to the guy who is going to disagree with me more than anybody else in the South Carolina legislature. And I just told him, I said, look, you and I are going to have some conversations and they're going to be passionate because I'm passionate about what I believe. And I don't know you well enough to know this yet, but I, I bet you are too, because I hear that you're a leader. I said, I want you to understand something. When we have these conversations, I am a minister of the gospel first. I'm going to be care. I'm going to care about you and your family and your well-being, and then we're going to have these conversations about policy. And when I leave you, I'm not going to judge you by your position on your policy. And you and I are going to be able to have these conversations in a way that I think will be productive if we'll look at it that way. And I want you to know you can count on that. I'll be praying for you and your family, and you can come to me if you have something that you need to talk about beyond our political discussions. And you know what? He, I mean, he looked at me like I'd landed from another planet because I think the concept that people who come every day and stand in that space between the Senate and the House in South Carolina are there either because they're being paid to represent somebody else or because they're some type of zealot. And I wanted them to know I'm there because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe there are things that are good and, and right and true that we need to hold to and advocate for. But at the end of the day, my focus and concern is going to be for people, their lives and their relationship with Jesus. Um, Tony, I, I really appreciate it. I, I, I'd actually love to continue this conversation, uh, but um, just parting shot from you, uh, somebody's sitting out there going, okay, I, I understand you've convinced me. I, I need a more biblical worldview. What, what do they do this afternoon or first thing in the morning to begin to, 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 to develop that, that worldview? Well, uh, come develop a plan. Uh, your plan needs to include being faithful to the local church. 
your plan needs to include a daily systematic study of God's word. There's a ton of them out there. So it, 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 your, your pastor can help you to find one that'll help disciple you, but you need to invest in that. And then begin. there, there is no way to become a disciple except by following someone that's a little bit further down the road than you are. You need to attach yourself, not only work on your own and not only engage in the church, but attach yourself to some, find someone who would be happy to spend some time with you when it's available to pour into you, to help you to better understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that is the best way I know of. You're reading, uh, you're, you know, reading good books, listening to good podcasts, local church involvement, personal discipleship with other people, investing in others. All of those things are needed if you're going to develop a well-rounded biblical worldview. And, uh, and along with that, they could also subscribe to the Christian worldview with Tony and Hannah, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's free. That's the way I say it on the show. So I'll say There you go. Free. It's free. Give them a good review and give us a good review here on the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Tony, thank you so much for being with us today. I pray that God blesses you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior. You can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.